Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest, one minute of screen time per episode. I am still Josh Newfeld of joshnewfeld.com. And I'm Wallflower Snowflake of deanhaspiel.com. So strange. (laughs) Um, And together, I think, you're the same guy that co-hosts Scene by Scene with Josh and Dean. But today, we are here to talk about Minute 133 of North by Northwest, which starts with Eve grimacing in pain and ends with Roger and Eve working their way down the monument. Yeah. Cary Grant slides down to where Eva Marie Saint landed and hurt her arm. It actually looks like she actually really hurt her arm. Yeah, totally, right? (laughs) It could be good acting. I don't acting. think there was any acting there. <laughs> just maybe he good looks acting. really concerned, and she looks like really in pain. And if that was the only take they had, and that was good enough, and she really hurt herself, then yeah, maybe it's possible. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and knowing Hitch, he probably didn't care. Oh, and you know, she expresses pain and removes yet another article of clothing, and it made me start oh, yeah. to what wonder. Did she, I, I didn't catch that. Yeah, she takes off like the jacket portion of oh. her. Outerwear, whatever oh, okay. that she's wearing. And last episode, she lost her the shawl. Her, well, the episode before that, she lost right. her shawl, and then last episode, she lost her handbag and her heel. Right, and her heel. You're right. So it's slowly like a but surely, striptease. it's becoming like. And I started to wonder if Hitchcock was directing his own version of a sex scene because she's also just moaning and in pain, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Come on, come on." Yeah, and I mean, it's, and we know that this is if you've seen the movie, you know this is slowly building towards a, a crescendo, a, a of, climax, a of climax of sorts. <laughs> and so I think he was kind of directing a sex scene throughout all of this. That's very interesting because I was going to mention that the only dialogue in this entire minute is, "Are you all right? Come on, all right, come on, come on, come on, come on." And the next minute, there's no dialogue at all. So. Well, I think we go. figured something out here. <laughs> yes. um, the henchmen continue to climb and, and crawl down Mount Rushmore. There's this great shot of three of the president's profiles as Martin Lando dangles on the side and loses his flashlight and his footing. He falls down the precipice like a raggedy andal and clings to the edge, mm-hmm. which is actually a... It's really impressive, the the stunt work on that moment, because it just feels so real. Yeah. And like, there's no way he's going to catch on, and he does. Mm-hmm. And that gets back to some of the photography, which I think they did a combination of, like, matte paintings sure. and photos of the actual monument and uh, compositing and then creating, you know, their own right. sets. So it's a really, for that time period especially, it's very impressive. Oh, it's, in, it's fantastic. And it also reminded me that moment when, like, the bad guy is falling Mm-hmm. But you ever watch a movie and you're like, okay, this is where the bad guy's going to get their comeuppance, you mm-hmm. know, and but you still kind of feel bad and want them to not die, you know, because... Because you just, it's horrifying. It's, empathy. it's just yeah. human empathy. Well, I totally felt that in that scene. Like, yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, gosh, that I I hope he doesn't fall there. I that hope he doesn't terrible. die. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's Even right. though he's like a horrible killer who whose only desire is to kill our two protagonists. Well, it's, it's funny because a lot of today's dramas... It starts and ends with a gun or, you know, I'm going to kill you and then you kill them and then Mm -hmm. they're dead. But a lot of the older stories, the older films, death was the last thing you ever considered was Mm -hmm. like to kill someone. Right. You know, you want to maim them or you want them out of your life. You say terrible things. You take them to court or whatever. They get arrested and taken away by the police. You want them. You want justice. You know, 
justice has become like you're dead yep. bang That's goodbye it. and there's mm-hmm. no real story you know yeah it's just like immediate sense of justice that like erases and cancels this person exactly. you know yeah and i feel like older stories like mm-hmm. you know i don't want you in my life or get away from me or go to jail or right. i'm gonna get you busted you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna figure out a way to do that legally or whatever yeah exactly and so i just feel like I guess that also speaks to when I saw that guy fall, even though he's kind of introduced late, if I'm correct. Wait, when did... Is Martin Landau throughout the entire movie? Yeah, he is. He's kind of like James Mason's henchman. That's right. That's right. And he actually... I read interviews where he said that he played that role as if he were in love yes, with James Mason. I do remember that. And And there is a point where he says, call it my woman's intuition, but blah, blah, blah. That's right. So interesting. And I love how actors will Because they couldn't talk about that, like specifically mention homosexuality in a movie made in 1959 mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was martin landau's choice and i think this might have been his first real role to play it that way and it adds you know another layer of interest to the film which i think hitchcock loved that kind of stuff well let's see was he what kind of buttons was he pushing was in 59 where did in television a married couple had two different beds right mm-hmm. was that in the 50s as well i think so yeah and i do remember that in order for Two people to lay on one bed together. Someone's foot. Someone's had to foot be had to be on the ground. On the floor. Yeah, on the floor. Right. Yep. So yeah. Anyway, I, I like that Martin Lando. You know, for his own like acting, mm-hmm. had to have give give it more purpose to than just being a bad guy. Yeah. You know. Well, so anyway, this minute actually builds a lot of tension and creates suspense. You know, uh, abandoning any sense of levity. Like, there's nothing funny about this. I scene. agree. Yeah. And and actually, as I was saying, when you were sort of doing a extended recap that mm. those first few seconds it, the acting seems much more methody than mm. it had earlier mm-hmm. between Carrie Grant uh, right. and Marie Saint like right. she lo- does look like she really did hurt herself when she fell and he looks like he's actually acting as a as a human being mm-hmm. you know caring mm-hmm. about his co-star rather than mm-hmm. being in the role but like it, it worked for the purpose of the film I like how behavior kind of takes over mm-hmm. like you know, there's a script, there's like, get from A to B, or here's some exposition, or whatever, or I want to tell you something I've been meaning to tell you. When it comes down to, I just want to live, Mm -hmm. we got to get out of this. Yeah. And then the tension is, and the the Bernard Herman music kind of amps up, if you notice in this. So do you think, pacing-wise, that this would fit into the way they make movies nowadays, or is it a little bit more drawn out? Uh, It seems like this scene is a little attenuated for our modern attention spans, like go over all the minutes that we're doing here on the side of the mountain, or do you think that it would take up the same amount of screen time in a contemporary film? I think it it's still, like, that's the mastery of Hitchcock, that all the shots mean something. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of fat, you know? In fact, he probably, it could probably even go longer, to be honest, if they wanted to. Hmm. Or, you know, maybe not with this Mount Rushmore setting. Yeah. Because there's, there's only one way to go, which is down in this right. case, right? But I do, it feels very lean and like, you know, purposeful and perfect in a way. I I see what you're saying. And so much of his films are in the editing too and the lighting and the, you know, the camera placement, of course. But I also feel like maybe nowadays because of CGI and the ability to like, you know, create even more intense angles and Mm. and effects that Mm -hmm. they might have done a little more of that in a contemporary version to give it a little bit more energy. But... 
Or if it was a Michael Bay film, you'd have that 365 shot, you know, like where it goes completely around like the two characters and you get these helicopters. It would almost be too much. Right. You know, oh, the, well, if it's Michael Bay, it is too much. Well, although I do praise Michael Bay in some ways, honestly, because <laughs> he just goes full hilt in a way that a lot of people don't. Yeah. And he's able to go places that you didn't think you wanted to go. And then you <laughs> right. get there and you're like, it's all right. It's an art film in that way. It, it, it really, yeah. he, he's a, a, a yeah, avant-garde uh, filmmaker there. <laughs> um, but no, I think that the idea, you know, listen, when we talk about, uh, you can go back to Star Wars, you know, when there were practical sets, mm-hmm. it, it worked better. You know, mm-hmm. than than a full green screen. Yeah, you know? and that's yeah, what you, the Star Wars, the the last three Star Wars movies rediscovered after the. That's right. Well, how do you say the first the three is our seventies movies, and then there's the, the official first three, the right. prequel, and then yeah, there's it's like the, you're either talking about in chronological order or release order. Yeah, well, so, four, five, six. Yeah, and then Those were seven, primarily eight, right practical effects. They right, worked great. Right. Then there were the prequels, which was all CGI, which just don't work on so many levels. And then the three recent movies seem to have figured out the right balance. Right. And I'm also reminded in this scene, although it's not like there's no close-up of it, is I'm like, wait a second. Is Cary Grant still having to hold something with one hand while climbing down with the other and helping? Yeah. Yeah. That's while wearing crazy. dress shoes and ripped pants. And ripped pants. <laughs> that will probably save his life. Yeah, of course. That hole in his pants. <laughs> Yeah, he still has the the microfilm inside of the figure that Van Damme won at the auction right. like halfway through the movie. That's right. That's got, you know, this top secret American plans to whatever, who knows what it is. It's just the MacGuffin. We of the never film. find out, do we? It doesn't matter. It's the doesn't MacGuffin. Matter. Yeah. But it is the thing that has to be kept out of the hands of the bad guys. Right. You know, right. so, but, but yeah, it, he's got to navigate that while at the same time trying to hold on to the side of the mountain and help the beloved Eve Kendall. That's right. And yeah, I was just thinking like all of these characters have the worst possible clothes that they could have for doing free climbing on the side of a mountain. Sure. Like they're wearing dress clothes, mm-hmm. suits, high heels, handbags. But that creates drama. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. But you know? I, I'm like, how how much true believers are Valerian and Leonard that they would go down the side of the mountain to get, you know, because their boss wants them to? Like if I were being paid by some dude to be a henchman and they were like, and now you have to climb down that mountain wearing dress clothes. I'd be like, nah. So basically no what you're saying is that the other guy was also in love with James Mason. Yeah, they're all, well, he's in love with Leonard, who's uh, in love with James Mason. That's right. Because you wouldn't yeah. do it otherwise. No, it's got to be for love. But it, you did make me think, what if Mary Poppins was there? Well, she'd be fine because she'd right. just pull out her umbrella. And just float Just down. float up and down, yeah. But yeah, so at this point, we were trying to figure this out. It's like... Eve and Roger are going down this sort of like little valley between Washington and Jefferson. Right. And Valerian, I think his name is Valerian Steele, the second henchman, the one who's in love with Leonard, right. is going down the other side of Washington's face. He's actually in the worst spot in yeah. a way because he's like Washington starts the, the you know, the four right. heads. And he's like at the farthest point of it right so what is his end game well i was looking when we there's that one shot where you do see the bust of george washington in, yeah. in between and i was wondering is there a way to maybe cut them off at the pass like if he goes like if they meet underneath his chin underneath basically. the chin mm-hmm. and then he can like do what he needs to do from that that point of view possibly but then apparently, again apparently he must believe that there is or like do we actually see the sight lines that like do they actually are no one's making meeting eyes at this point i don't think anybody has seen anybody else right and then leonard has gone down on the other side on the other side of lincoln's face so he's on the also on the worst so they're bookending 
maybe going to try and cut them off in the middle somehow. Right. If they all survive somehow climbing down the side of their faces. Right. It's like there's this weird strategy happening. Again, you know, in real life, this is like an immediate decision. Let's climb down Mount Rushmore. They're going down kind of the middle. Right. You know, and meanwhile, they're getting bookended by these other two guys. Right. But so. again, they've never actually said anything to each other. We're kind of all interpreting this and inferring this just from seeing what's happening. Right. right. Yeah. And then with Leonard making the worst choice, because he ends up hanging on by his fingertips to like a side of the cliff that actually starts to incline. I know. And then his flashlight falls out and makes this very like tiny little clitter clatter sound. And then he falls. And as we said, it was very, it was heart wrenching yeah. because you yeah. actually feel bad for the guy. I mean, it looks painful. And it, like you said, it's good stunt work. And I noticed they do that old movie trick of they shoot him from behind so you never actually see that it's right. the stuntman who's, sure. who's done that sure. fall. But he really crumples. And I the, know. And it's the same minute that you've also felt Eva's pain, you know? Mm-hmm. So right. you're getting a juxtaposition between the, the two sides. See, everybody know? hurts. I hurt a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so talking about you know, the scene where we do see Roger and Eve climbing down and he's still holding the, the idol with the microfilm inside. Did you notice whether his pants were still ripped or not? Because I couldn't I didn't see notice. it. He wasn't wearing like the boxer, the white boxer shorts with right. little hearts on them. You no, know, I that didn't would, see a heart show. peeking through a hole in his pants. Because <laughs> actually, I do remember that I think he was wearing yellow boxer shorts. Why? In the hotel room when the professor brings him more clothes, I think we, for mm. a moment see that he's wearing yellow boxers. Hmm. So is that a continuity problem? Well, now you're making me wonder, was the actual tearing of the pants a real thing that wasn't prepared? And then they kind of fixed They're it. They're like, oh, let's, it no. was a good cut, but they're not going to carry it through. But then again, we're not paying attention to the tear in his pants. You know, it's just heightening the reality. It's just because we're doing this minute by That's minute. why. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, one thing I, I did want to uh, mention is... It, you know, Mount Rushmore is obviously one of our greatest national monuments, and it's up there with Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon, Statue of Liberty, like, you know, these places that tourists kind of think of from the United States. And I wanted to know if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore. I've never been. I've been to Nathan's in Coney Island. Oh, okay. Close. Where they have chow mein on a bun. <laughs> they don't have that anymore. Anymore. Damn no, it. No, we got to talk about this. Okay. But I went recently, like in the fall, and you had told me that there was chow mein on a bun, and I did not see it there. So you might have been the last customer who actually That'd be sampled right. it. But you, yeah, I've never been to Mount Rushmore either. And Wait a second. This is terrible of me. Yeah. Where is Mount Rushmore? <laughs> it's in the United States. Oh, okay. okay. Our country. Cool. It's in South Dakota. Oh, um, all right. And it is... Why did they put it there? I think it was one of those symbolic things. It's kind of like in the midpoint of the country, mm. and it's in the grand... You know, it's in the Black Hills of South Dakota. It's it's part of, like, our national wilderness. And that was an era that uh, Theodore Roosevelt was really involved with creating the national park systems, and, mm-hmm. and that region was mm-hmm. becoming known you know as a as a tourist destination mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um i think it just made sense sure. you know and i think the mountain was the right place and the granite was a good material to make the monument out of it was one of those things and if it hadn't succeeded it wouldn't no one would know about it you know if, like we were talking about before it was kind of a crazy project but it just turned out to be quite impressive when it was well, done well nobody know about it, but they, they spent a lot of money it took many many years yeah. so they were 
crossing their fingers right you know but it's like, like they were giving them drips and drabs of money i got the feeling and not mm. like putting their the united states government agencies that were involved in funding it were not like it, it was kind of a little bit on the third tier of importance i feel like but do we even hear about mount rushmore anymore well like you mean like news i mean you, you well maybe because we live in new york city sneezed well, well, maybe because we live in New York City that, you know, we see and hear about the, you know, Statue of Liberty a lot. Sure. You, know? you mean like if there's a renovation going on or something like that? But like, I guess it's just a tourist thing. Yeah, that... it's a huge tourist attraction. It is. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot of people who live in the West and the Midwest make an effort to go in lo- there and lots of and foreign tourists. And do you just tourists. view it from afar? Do you go up on it somehow? Yeah, you can't go up on it, which we talked about earlier, that there's no, yeah. it's basically, you know, raw mountainside up there. And people are forbidden to climb it, okay. um, but right. there is a there's a whole trail down below it, and a special viewing area, and it's a national park, and it you know lots of parking and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's a pretty impressive site, and it looks great. Like one of the reasons it was chosen was because it gets maximum sunlight exposure on that cliff face, mm-hmm. so it looks good like at many times of the day. And then mm-hmm. at night, I think they light it up and they do special, you know, presentations and music and all sorts of stuff. So I think it's a pretty impressive destination like it'd be worth going sure however long it took you to get there i hate to even imagine this but i just and i'm a, I'm kind of a fan of graffiti but i do you think graffiti artists climb it and tag it up and draw on it i think it's something that they probably try not to publicize but i'll bet you anything I that there you. are people who try to climb up there all the yep. time yep. and there's like special authorities to prevent that but the other thing you know, that kind of bums me out because I did, when when my wife, Sari, and I were traveling, we moved from Chicago to San Francisco at one point because she was doing a writing fellowship. And we drove cross country and we actually drove through the Black Hills of South Dakota. And for some reason, unknown reason, we never thought of going to Mount Rushmore. And that really bums me out. And the other thing is near there, only about two hours away is Devil's Tower National Monument, which was, of course, the site of the you know, epic moment of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I would love to have seen Uh that as well. And then Deadwood, the town of Deadwood, which was, of course, the, you know, the the origin of the great uh, David Milch television series Mm. is also in that same area. So Mm. that's three great, you know, entertainment properties that all... So there was gold, a lot of gold around there. Yeah, at one point it was a big gold area. Okay. Well, I have a question. And actually, I meant to bring up last time, but I'll probably do it in the next episode or toward the last, is this little story I wrote that I never drew right. that involves Mount Rushmore. But you know what? I should probably print it up and just read the quick synopsis of it, because that would be a lot of oh, fun. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. So um, do you want to do that at this episode, or you want to save it? No, not now. Later, okay. later. So today's Wednesday. Right. So either the Thursday or Friday, or you sure. want to save it till next week? Yeah, whatever Whatever works. Okay. You know, I'll find it. Um, have you ever climbed the side of a mountain? I I have friends who do free climbing and have, you know, climbing is like a big thing. That is something that has never appealed to me and actually petrifies me mm-hmm. to even think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a fear of heights per se, but the idea of climbing up the side of something mm-hmm. with the strong possibility that you can fall and die is yeah. so not appealing to me. I, <laughs> I'm missing that gene. Of, I feel the same way. I mean, I would do it if I, if, you know, your life depends on it, but I don't right. even choose to do it. Yeah. But I have climbed many a tree. Oh, okay. Did you ever climb trees? I, yeah, sure. I've, like get I've pretty high up there? To, to get high? No. Oh, oh, oh. 
Josh. climbing up high on a tree. Yeah, I, when I was a kid, sure. I, is that something that you still like to do? I remember, I think one of the last times I climbed a tree is, was to go, I, I remember I was trying to prune a tree mm-hmm. with, with a handsaw. And I climbed really, really high to like cut off this branch or whatever. It was dying. And something happened. And I fell. No. And I remember this was crazy. This was... Uh, this believe, is after the fam- infamous falling off the roof. Mm, this is before. Oh, this is before okay. that. I, I fell off a three-story building, basically, and broke both my legs and right hand and lower spine at age 21. Yes. That messed me up. But this is before that. And I believe it was in the Hamptons at a friend's house. And I climbed this tree. I had this handsaw. I started cutting this branch. Something happened where I slipped. I fell. Like, did I you remember, fall all the way down to the ground? And I want to say a good 20 feet. Oh, my gosh. I remember landing on my back kind of perfectly, like in a way where I didn't really hurt myself somehow. Wow. Uh-huh. And my hand, I think it was my left hand, fell to the side. And that's when I noticed the saw coming down. And it literally came and like cut into oh. my palm of my hand. Oh, jeez. Not cutting it in half or anything, obviously. But I remember like... You got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. Like a Looney Tune, you yeah. know, like this ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I can't help but think of the Simpsons episode where he's falling down the cliff and it's like, oh, oh, uh, you know, you go. this right. goes on for like 10 right. minutes and then right. like a bus lands on him. And then the a bu- yeah, yeah, right. So that oh. that was a climbing a tree. So, but I used to climb a lot of trees with my brother, friends, and it was just, it's just a great thing to get up there. Yeah. And you just survey the land differently, you know, mm-hmm. see the world differently. And then also, do you remember, I don't know if you're ever part of this. But some of our older classmates or younger classmates when we were younger sure, would go to 89th Street and Riverside Drive and we would climb the Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Monument. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember that's what it was called. But uh, yeah. yeah, I had to look that up because I remember only calling it the 89th Street Monument, right. you know, because <laughs> I didn't realize it was this other thing until later. And I remember uh, Mike Houston, Eric Wallman, and Sean Smith and I would climb up there as part of like a weird hazing thing, you mm-hmm. know, like just for our little spy club, you know. Right. And we would climb up this thing that was kind of impossible to get up to this higher portion. Yeah, I don't think I ever did that with you guys. And then part of our little gambit or hazing ritual mm-hmm. was because it was right on Riverside Drive. There's the um, the West Side Highway. Yes. Would be to run across both lanes of, you know, cars going back and forth as quickly as we could without getting hit by a car and get to the edge by the water. So you guys were playing too many games of Frogger at that point. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And so we would climb that, come down. At night or during the day? During the day and run across. And I remember getting across and like huffing and puffing and like I survived, right? Oh, my God. Looking over the edge. And I remember seeing the most terrifying thing. And later on, I found out what it was. It was the dead bodies of all the other kids that had tried it but had been yeah, right. hit by the cars. That, that had been hit by the cars <laughs> and dumped there. No, what it was was a little patch of like granite or a kind of stone kind of like a lip of you know concrete yeah and on that were like dead roosters and tied up legs and little like baby dolls and like some kind of like i don't know spooky ephemera you know and it was all like in little bowls or little areas that looked like they'd been burned or something what and then i remember this is before google Mm -hmm. i remember asking about it around or whatever and they're like oh yeah that's santeria I was like, what's Santeria? Oh. 
And people used to go on the side of the highway over here uh-huh. and perform these little Santeria rituals, which again, I don't really know the definition That's of that. Mo- it's like in the Dominican Republic and I other guess. Spanish-speaking Caribbean nations, some of them follow and, that religion. And I don't know what it was doing, like what kind I of sacrifices. Like, yes, ritual for... sacrifices of for wishes for good luck or good and l- health something like and stuff that. wow but i remember like thinking That's dark like oh i just did this amazing thing like i survived you yeah. know not getting hit by a, a thousand cars <laughs> just to see like this terrifying like you know burnt offerings you know right which you have no idea what it means or what why the it's hell there was it? yeah yeah oh my so. gosh it's like your own little hitchcock film <laughs> the beginning of one yeah <laughs> Gee whiz. So what about you? Anything, anything, did you climb anything? Well, just to contextualize that story, it's important for the listeners to know, if you haven't heard our podcast, that Dean and I went to high school together in New York City back in the 80s. That's right. And uh, we were both comic book artists, and we still are today, but we went to LaGuardia High School, then called Music and Art, and we made our own comics. And some of the other guys he mentioned also, in fact, all of them also made comics. So we were all sort of in the same little club. And that area where the 89th Street Monument, the Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Monument, is in the Upper West right, Side. Right, which where you grew up. Where I grew up. Yeah. And when I met Josh, uh, you were living in what part of Brooklyn? Kensington. Kensington, that's yeah. right. Um, but but in terms of climbing I anything? lured you back to Brooklyn. So here we, go, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of climbing stuff, like, yeah, when I was like, you know, probably that sweet spot age of like, six to 10 years old, I, I would go to this, I, that was when I was living out in Southern California. And uh, I used to go to this daycare center every day after school, I would like walk there myself and like hang out there until my mom was done with work. Mm-hmm. And she picked me up. And they had a eucalyptus tree, a bunch of eucalyptus trees in the back that are really fun to climb. They kind of have smooth bark. So it doesn't like it's not rough when you climb, but it's not so smooth that you slide off of it. Mm-hmm. And they're big trees, you know, big sturdy trees. And uh, there was like what seemed like a super high tree that had like a tire swing hanging from it. And so we would climb up the tree and then climb out onto the branch that had the tire swing and then climb down the ropes Mm -hmm. of the tire Mm -hmm. swing. Mm -hmm. And there were fences there that outlined the whole thing that we would climb up. And it all seemed like really daredevil-y at the time. And then I went back later when I was like in my... 20s and everything was like three feet high (laughs) oh i guess i wasn't like risking my life like i thought but you you remind me we used to play this game called tag no touch and we go to parks that would have all kinds of things you could swing on and jump on and Mm -hmm. the whole point is you couldn't touch the ground you can only oh. touch like the but, objects. Well, you're like running away from whoever's it at the whoever's same time. It and you're running around. Oh gosh, and I yeah. remember, I remember there was, I think the 86th Street Park. I think park. we were playing that too. Like I didn't know that was what it was called, but that I remember that. Tag no touch. Yeah. 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 That was That's my so favorite funny. game, man. So even though you were in the East Coast and New York City right. and I was out in the West Coast, we were all playing the same games. Yep. Oh, brings a tear to your eye. <laughs> <laughs> well. Can we tease next episode? Do you, do you know what's up next with the first image? Can you, can you pull it up? Uh, the next episode, yeah, let's let's tease that up there. And we're soon so, coming to the end of this movie. I know we are so close. That's a, that's definitely one thing, you know, different about movies today is there's no extended credit sequence because all the credits were like at the top of the movie in those days. Right. So they just like show the last scene and then at the end it's over. Right. So we still have some pretty juicy minutes left, and I think we're gonna pick up next episode with Roger and Eve still hanging off the side and i think they're going to be confronted with the guys who are after them but one thing we did talk about was there's absolutely no dialogue at all Mm -hmm. in the next episode so Mm -hmm. but 
No, no worries. We'll still find stuff to talk about. Well, actually, if I may, and this is something you can elaborate on in the next episode, is that I see sometimes people get upset when certain actors act in a movie and they're like, there wasn't enough dialogue for them. And they did a lot of acting with their face or their, you know, f- physical. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's all written. That is text. That you know. You mean in the script? In yeah, like the yeah. script isn't well, always talking. Sure. You know, yeah, and you got to storyboard it, and you have to plan it all out visually. And and well, the I know, actors I'm, still have a lot to do, even if they're not saying lines to each other. Well, did you see the Irishman? Yes. So Anna Paquin's character, the daughter. Mm-hmm. I know that some people criticized that she didn't have enough to say. And I was like, are you kidding me? She was saying so much with her eyes and her behavior. Yeah. And that was the dialogue. It, that and it was wasn't the just Anna Paquin. It was the actress who played the younger version That's of her, right. too. They, that was one continuity yeah. that they carried through. And and I thought that was great. And mm. and then I saw people were like, you know, they don't, they don't write enough. And I was like, what are you talking about? The writing was all there. Mm. Like, it, through her good acting, point. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Anyway. When are we going to do the Irishman minute? That would take like how many years to get through that? <laughs> did you see the Golden Globes? I did not. Okay, so Ricky Gervais uh, made a joke about you know how they'll show a clip of the of the different movies that are up for the award, yeah. you know, for best movie. They said, okay, we're going to show a clip for the Irishman. It's only eighty eight minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small portion of the movie. That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. So. That about wraps up minute 133 of North by Northwest. If you like what you hear, maybe you'd like to hear more of what Dean and I do, our stylings, such as they are. We do a show, what was it called again? Uh, Scene by Scene with Josh and Dean. And the first season, what do we talk about, Josh? The movie American Splendor, The Life and Times of Harvey Picar, who we both were artists for. You might be interested in checking out that podcast where we break down the movie into chunks of about five minutes each or so mm-hmm. and talk about each one in depth and go into a lot of details about the struggles and joys of being cartoonists as we were both illustrators for Harvey P. Carr on American Splendor. So check that out. That's at scenebyscenepodcast.com. And we're also on Facebook at Scene by Scene with Josh and Dean. Remember, you can find... This, the Hitchcock Minute Podcast, on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. On social media, we're at The Man on Washington's Nose, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. So join us here tomorrow for the next episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Wherever you are.